All right, well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here on behalf of my wife, Erica, all of our, my family, and all of our staff, pastors, and all the volunteers to set up with you for you today. We're so happy that you're here with us today, especially if you're here uh, at the very first time. Hey, maybe you are our guest with us for the very first time. We're so excited. I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why I know that when I go to a place that's maybe brand new, I can't really get what it's like the first time. Sometimes you got to try that restaurant a couple of times or maybe the, the place that you're trying to check out a couple of times, especially at a church. And so today's a little unique. Today is our one year anniversary. Come on, make some noise for that. And... Uh, so we're going to have some, uh, some unique moments today, and it's going to be interesting. And so you're going to want to have to come back so you can see kind of maybe a normal flow. But uh, we're so glad that you're here with us today. I also want to welcome everybody watching on Facebook Live. Uh, if you're in your PJs right now or you're at work or something, maybe you're traveling, we're so glad that you're with us. I want to also invite everybody, if you have your phone, take it out, and you can go ahead and check in on Facebook. Let everybody know you're at church. We found that a lot of people get connected that way. I've heard many stories where people say, man, I'm at church. And they're like, you wanted to try out Rise Church, but we didn't know anybody, and we want to come with you. And it's, it's been a really cool cool kind of connector. So go ahead and do that today. We are wrapping up a series called Our Imperfect Family. And the reason we did that is because we wanted to talk about family. We know that, man, family can be really hard in this world, but God created family and he has a lot to say about it. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to wrap up our series called Our Imperfect Family. Um, I want to say one thing specifically to this 1030 service. I will say this. This has been the most packed service uh, that we've had in all of our services and, and it's been awesome. And so God's just doing something great. But if you are a family member, like you love Jesus and you call me your pastor and this is your church, I'm asking you to consider going to the noon o'clock service. Everybody say noon o'clock. Okay, here's why. Because we actually, you can be a missionary for Jesus local missionary for Jesus if you just go to a different service because this is the prime time. I would say prime time. Y'all remember watching TV shows back in the day when we watched TV and there was no Netflix, it was prime time. Uh, that means they're like the prime time. Most people are going to come to this service, especially guests who want to check it out. So just by you going to a different service, either the nine o'clock or the noon o'clock, and I'm highly encourage you, the noon o'clock is awesome because I get tired in that service and I start saying crazy stuff. So if you want to see Pastor Aaron unplugged, 12 o'clock is great. And so um, just come to that service. Um, we're going to start asking people just to go to that service to make room. Everybody say make room. There's always room at the table here at the family. And so we just say, hey, let's just do that. So if you can do your, I'm just, even if you commit for three months, that would be awesome. I will give you a hug after service. So we are uh, wrapping up our series today. Uh, and uh, week one, we talked about having God-centered families or perfect families. It was an incredible message about really how God calls us to be perfect, but as he says to be perfect and have our families surrounded by Jesus. Week two, we talked about really perfect families have perfect um, priorities, that God has a way of building your family and you don't want to get them out of priority so that you can create a family that you and I can celebrate. And the third one is we last week we talked about Perfect families have perfect communication. They know how to have God-centered communication. They know how to communicate, not to win fights necessarily, but to really win the, uh, the, the battle over the long haul. We want to be able to communicate in a God-centered, Christ-centered, healthy way. And I highly encourage you to check that out on our podcast. This week, we're going to talk about having perfect values. Before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Thank you that you sent Jesus, God. Thank you that we're, we're here and that you created the local church, the hope of the world. And you, you, this is your design. This is your plan to reach the world. And so we pray that uh, you would just continue to move in this place. Thank you for all the you've done with this church in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Uh, how many of y'all uh, uh, have been uh, on a plane 
and flown, you know, in the airport uh, any time in your life? Raise your hand. If you've been on a plane, you all took a trip. Raise your hand. Come on, like you mean it. You're proud of it. You got deodorant on today. All right, awesome. And so um, I, my wife and I love to travel. We, 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 we travel uh, when we like to. We really enjoy doing it. The only problem is, is we have five kids, so it's really hard to travel with kids. How many of y'all can I get an amen, right? Like it's just they always need something. For some reason, they need to eat all the time, and they have to go to the bathroom. How many of y'all remember those road trips? It's just... It's ridiculous. So I have five boys, but we got to travel alone recently. And uh, I've noticed that there are two different types of people when it comes to flying on planes uh, or traveling on a regular basis. The first type of person is the people who are planned, prepared, and they get there way ahead of time. How many are those people? They, they say two hours ahead, but you get there four hours ahead. Come on, raise your hand like you're proud of it, and you got OCD, and I'm proud, right? Like I have issues. You try to wait, you, you like wake up with the flight attendant people. The doors are locked. You're like standing at the door ready to get into your plane. It ain't till one in the afternoon. So. Uh, there's those types of people. Then there's the other type of people, uh, which I would say, like, those are my type of people, the people that like to show up just as the plane is about to take off. Raise your hand. Anybody else like that like me? Yeah, y'all my people. In 9 o'clock, I had one dude in the back, and he was like, he, he jumped ship by the time I was done. He was like, I ain't with you anymore, Pastor. And so, uh, But I, I'm that guy, and I realize that my wife is, is the first type of person. I'm the second type of person. And so we went and flew to Memphis this last week and uh, was going to a church conference. And, um, you know, it was not a good morning. Let me just tell you that. Our flight was at 9 o'clock, and I woke up. I would rather leave. You know, it takes about 30 minutes to get to uh, the airport. I like to leave at 8 o'clock if my flight's at 9. <laughs> I want to show up right as the doors are opening, like as they're about to close them. Like I want to be the guy that they're announcing over the, the speaker, like, Mr. Grijalva, we're waiting on you. That's the guy that I am. And so my wife's stressed out about that. So we get on the, you know, we wake up and, and she knows that. And she's so sweet. My wife is so kind sometimes. Sometimes she just lets me be me, you know what I'm saying? And so we wake up and it's late and we get into traffic and we didn't have gas in our car and we didn't find a parking spot. And I left my sunglasses, so I had to run back into the car. We get into the security. I'm naked at the security. You know, I'm walking around and they're doing the pat. And I finally get to there. You know, we run the thing. We run onto the plane. It's about to take off. My wife looks at me and she's like... I did not like that. She's like, I'm stressed out. I can feel stress. I can feel it, feel it. Like I can feel it. Just me telling you guys, like, I want to be there right as the plane, like, is about to be done boarding. That stressed y'all. How many of y'all that stressed y'all out? You're like, that's, I'm stressed now. You're, you stressed me out. And uh, I just realized there's multiple types of people. But I, I was thinking about this, that, that most of the time, because I don't value being there that early, it created a chaotic atmosphere in my life. Because some of you value being early, it could actually create a non-chaotic, it could actually create peaceful atmosphere in your life. And it really points out this principle, though, that what I'm teaching is that really values determine atmosphere, right? Like that's a, that's a principle, values determine atmosphere. If you have a value system that is correct or is rooted in maybe even godly principles, it can create a great atmosphere. Now, how many have ever walked into a house where you knew right when you walked into a home, it was a home of your friend, maybe it was a home of your family, maybe you went over to your cousin's house, you walked in and you realized as you walked in, they didn't even have to say nothing. You knew they were fighting. Raise your hand. Like you knew it. You walked into it. It was awkward, like awkward, like hashtag, this is weird. You know, you walk in and they're mad and they're, they, you can, you can, I would say like the atmosphere is so messed up. You can taste it. You know, it's like you can taste something ain't right. And families and oftentimes have atmospheres in their houses 
not on purpose, but on accident because they have not created value systems to create good atmospheres. And I've just noticed that healthy families, come on, healthy families, healthy atmospheres have clear Christ-centered values. Healthy families, healthy atmospheres have clear Christ-centered values. That it's just, it, I, I just, every family that I know that's God-fearing, that's not perfect in terms of they do everything right, but they have good atmospheres. They're positive. They're healthy. They're godly. They, they have good value systems. They know how to say yes and no to things, but the opposite is true. I've walked into some families and some homes and been around some people where their lives were just nothing but chaos. Come on, haven't y'all ever met that person? If you haven't met that person, it could be you. (laughs) And you're chaotic because, not because you want to be chaotic, but because you don't have a set of values that determine how you say yes and you say no to things, right? And so a lot of people don't even, don't even know that. Like they don't even know what a value is. I'll give you a clear Cut definition of what a value is. It's DNA, right? A value in so many ways. Go to the, go to the next one. Click. It's, it's the DNA of your decision-making process. Now, you and I, you might not even think like this. Like, I don't have a decision-making process. Well, that's the first mistake, right? Because you make, you make mistakes. We can make mistakes by making decisions without actually having value systems attached to those decisions. In fact, I would go to say that some of the biggest mistakes that you and I have made in our lives, can we be honest, right? We made a decision not based on a value we had. We made a decision based on a friend that we had, right? 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 Like I, I, most bad stories that I hear, I always start off with a sentence. I had these friends. And, and, and really for us, values determine what we say yes or we say no to. Great families have a a value system created inside of them. Perfect families have perfect values. So today, I just wanted to give you and give you maybe just a quick thought on how to create family values. I'm telling you, if values create atmospheres, you want to have a good atmosphere, you need to have good family values. I want to create, give you maybe a couple of, uh, maybe some insight on how to create maybe some good family values for your life. Now, this is not the exhaustive list. This is not like everything you need to know. And I don't want to give you my values because if I give you my values, you might take my values and make them your values and that might not be good and it might work, but... My family is not your family. I wasn't put in charge of your family. You were put in charge of your family. And so you need to have your own set of values. So I want to maybe give you an idea of how to, how to get to them. The first one, how to, make, how to create family values is make them ahead of time. Like some of us, we make values in the moment. Like you, you and I will have an issue happen and then all of a sudden you're like, make a decision or you create a value and now you made a value not because it's a value based on God, it's a value based on your storm and your issue. And it's, I want you to know this. It is some of the most godly, one of the most godly things you can do is be planned ahead. Right. Now, some of you in here, you're like, that ain't my personality. That's not how God, that, you, you say things like, well, that's not where I come from. Last time I checked, when I read the Bible, you, he said that you are a new creation. Everybody say new. Yeah. That means all the old is, is dead. It, it's, it's passed away. It's gone. You can be someone new. You have permission today. I'm, at, I'm, I'm a pastor. I give you permission. I ask God about it. You don't need to pray. Um, you can be different today. I'm going to give you permission. You can be different. You can create a new life today. You can start making values ahead of time. In fact, Proverbs uh, is a great book in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's written by a man named Solomon who is known as the wisest man who ever lived. And this is what he said. He said this is so good. He said, the plans. Ever say the plans? Yeah, this is good. Of the diligent leads surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Poverty there doesn't just mean for financial issues. In fact, poverty is more of a spirit than it ever is a financial level. You can have a poverty mindset when it comes to your spiritual life. You can have a poverty mindset when it comes to your physical life. You can have a poverty mindset when it comes to your emotional life. It means you lack. 
Like there is a high level of lack in your life. And if you, if you don't learn to plan ahead and be planned ahead with your values, you will consistently have a high level of lack in your life. You need to be planned ahead for the bad times. So you know when the best time is to plan for a storm? Before the storm comes, not during it. So, so for us to have values ahead of time, so when the bad things happen, when your spouse comes to you and says, I just wrecked the Toyota, you don't respond in a way that says, I'm going to respond based on my feelings and how I think about you and what you said and what you did. You respond based on your family values. So one of your family values might be, hey, we're going to be loving. So in that moment, guys, if your wife comes to you and tells you that you, she totaled the Toyota, the first thing you don't do is start screaming and yelling about how wrong she is. Not because you're good, but because the God you serve is good and you reflect his values. Come on, right? The other one and I probably goes to say that, man, you need to be planned ahead for your values for the good times. This is, an eerie, this is like an eerie scripture that you might not read, uh, might not understand what they're saying. It's found in Deuteronomy. It's God speaking of the children of Israel. And he says, but this is the time to be careful. He says, this is when you need to be on guard. This is when you need to understand. This is when you need to see things clearly. This is when you need to understand like exactly and make the right decisions. He says, be aware that in your plenty, everybody say plenty. Yeah, but come on, say plenty. In your plenty, when you have more than enough, in your ability to have a lot, when you don't lack, that's when you need to not forget the Lord. Don't forget your values. I've noticed that I get into a lot of trouble when I have money, not when I don't. I've noticed I get into a lot of trouble when I have time, not when I don't. Come on, yes? So he says, be careful in the good times. So you make good decisions with the good times so that you have value systems that establish what you say yes and, and no to. I was talking to a young family and they said, man, we just got a raise. And I, I said, let me beg you. Can I beg you? I want to beg you. Do not increase your standard of living. Yeah. I'm begging you on behalf of your future self. Yeah. They said, well, we're going to go. We're thinking about going and buying a car. I'm like, no. Right. Now, does God want you to have a nice vehicle? Sure. Does he want you not to suffer and push you. If you push your car to work every week, it's probably a, a time to go get a new car, right? But like, just because you got more money doesn't mean you need to go increase your standard of living. That's what the world's value system is. God's value system is be careful, be mindful. You have plenty right now. Do a value system check so that you're ahead of time. Jesus lived like this. Jesus was lost for three days in Luke chapter two. By the way, that is not a parenting piece of advice. His parents lost Jesus. Gone three days. They found him in the temple. It's like, that's where you find people. You just find Jesus, you're going to find him in the temple. That's like a good, good place to find him. And, and he finds him in, in, in Luke chapter 2, and he says this. He's, they asked him a question, Jesus, because he asked him where he was. And Jesus says, why do you seek me? Did you not know I'm going to be about my father's business? Even he had an understanding at 12 years old that every decision that he makes needs to lead him towards his ultimate conclusion and his ultimate purpose. Your value systems always lead you to your purpose. So you need to be about your father's business, about God's business, not about your business either. Some of you have personal ambition that really is not godly ambition, and you just want to be the CEO, not because God told you, but because you told you. Right. If God told you not to be, if God didn't tell you to be the CEO, don't be the CEO. Right. I'm telling you, you want to be in God's will, not your will. Yes. Ben Franklin said this, by failing to plan, you are planning to fail. The goal for a great Christian, remember the Christian thing is to be planned ahead. 
Make your values ahead of time. Second one is this, is make them biblical. I like this. Uh, values need to be biblically based. I love Joshua chapter 24. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, my household, I have a house, I have a family, we're going to serve God, period. And so my value systems aren't going to be based on what I think. They're going to be based on what God thinks. Don't fall into the trap of creating a value system that has nothing to do with Bible. I'll give you a couple of traps, a couple of mistakes. The first one is family-driven. Some of us create value systems based on our family, the family name that you have, the family that you came from. You did it because mama did it. You did it because daddy did it. You did it because auntie did it. You did it because grandmama did it. You did it because grandpa did it. You did it simply because somebody in your family told you it was a good idea. You don't even know why you do something right now. You don't even know why you like it. Some of you don't even personally like it, but you do it because you think it was right because mom told you. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying you better cross-check that with some godly, yeah. right? Like just because mom told you to wash the clothes that way or do it this way or we always do it this way. Come on, you got to check God. You got to check the Bible. Make them biblically based. Second uh, mistake could be is you make them past-driven. Some of us don't have driven values because God told you or they're biblically based. You have them because someone hurt you. Right. Someone offended you. Someone mis mistakenly did something to you and you walk around with that wound and you created a value system in that wound. I've met families who don't go to Olive Garden because their server was bad and they don't go not because their server was bad to them because grandmama went one time, long time ago. She had a terrible experience and told her whole family, don't go to Olive Garden. <laughs> well, tell me it don't happen. That could be you right now. You're like, mm -hmm. we don't go. We don't go there. Why don't you go there? Because grandmama. <laughs> and you make a value system because of what mom or your, 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 you know, because of what happened in your past. Someone hurt you. Some of you don't go to church. This could be the first time you've ever walked in church. And the reason you came back is because you realize, man, God wants you here. But what kept you away wasn't God. It was the people that represented God. Guys like me. And you didn't make a value system of, you actually had an anti-value system of God because of a person, because of a hurt, because of a wound. Don't make a value system because of a wound. Don't make a value system because of someone who hurt you. Make a value system because of the Bible. Third one is this, is, is you can have feelings driven. Some people are just so driven by their feelings, they can't help it. And, and you're, you don't do things because you know it's godly. You do things because you feel good. So that day you made a good decision because you felt good. Or the day you made a bad decision, you did it because you didn't feel good. Don't fall into the trap of making mistakes because you did them because your feelings, your family, or your past make them biblical. Perfect families have perfect values. Now, why do I share this with you? I want to give you an example. Our church, we call it a spiritual family. We have values. I wanted to show you our, our family values here. These are our five family values that we call at Rise. This is how we make all decisions. We, we value the Bible. We believe the Bible is the word of God. I teach from the Bible. I don't teach from self-help guru Google. I don't do that. I'm a Bible teacher, which means... At times, you will feel loved and, and supported and encouraged. And sometimes you should feel convicted. I did not say condemned. There is no condemnation in Christ, but you should feel convicted. I read this Bible, and every time I read it, I feel convicted. Which means it makes me question what I do, why I do it, and make sure that I'm following Jesus, not me. So we should value the Bible. Second mission, we're all on a mission to reach people and to build lives. Third is spiritual family. We believe this is a family, not an organization. God places the lonely in family, the Bible says. Generosity, we believe we should be generous, not because I'm generous. We believe we should be generous because God was generous and he gave us the best. We should give him the best. Right. 
and we believe in development. We want to develop people and grow leaders and give people the ability to step into their purpose. We have value systems, and it's what creates a great atmosphere here. If you like Rise, that's why. Yeah. It certainly ain't because of my preaching, right? <laughs> you just heard it. So today, as we wrap up, um, I wanted to just share with you uh, just, just a year in review, and I'm going to invite my wife, Erica, up. Will you help me welcome my wife, please? Just love on her. Help her come on up. And uh, hey, baby. How are you? Man, those shoes are fire. Thank you. Come on, let's go. Could I pull that off? Could I wear silver? Yeah. Silver shoes? Those are awesome. Um, we, uh, we wanted to share with you guys as a celebration just because, you know, um, number one, you know, there's two reasons we need to remember and celebrate. Number one, it matters to God. Just so you know, if you don't like to celebrate and remember, you're going to hate heaven. You're just not going to like it because all of heaven is nothing but eating and partying. That sounds like heaven to me. I told my wife this week, I'm like, heaven's a beach. Yeah. It's a beach. It's going to be a beach party the whole time. We're going to be eating all the time, and it's going to be awesome and high-fiving and celebrating God, and it's going to be amazing. Yep. And it ain't going to be no calories. Thank That's you, Jesus. <laughs> my second job as a pastor is, 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 is my job as a pastor is to remind you where we come from so we don't forget. It's important. And um, um, I, we just wanted to walk through maybe just some, some, some fun uh, just memories of our last year just as a church. And uh, I don't know what that was. Uh, but... Uh, we're just going to talk about a couple of things. You know, a lot of people don't know, we didn't just start this church from like, um, just we didn't have a church. This isn't a takeover or anything like that. I think that's me. Sorry. I'll, I'll get off of it. All right. Um, and uh, I think, you know, we started our church with um, start, what they called startup parties. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really what they were. They were just like an hour-long mixers where we just met each other and we ate food. Come on. We ate food. Yep. In the last five minutes, we just said, hey, if you're interested in helping us start a church, we'd love to have conversation with you or coffee. And the reason we did that is because we didn't know anybody when we first moved here. Yeah. We knew no one. We didn't, have a, uh, we didn't know a soul. And it was really, really lonely. And it was really hard to start a church out of nothing. And we had, at our first startup party on July 30th, 2017, we had 10 people. People. So we brought some pictures just to kind of show you what it was like. It was uh, uh, inside of our house, yep. and uh, there was like 10 people. We had a couple of families. The Hoppers were there that are still with us today, and uh, uh, we, the Thompsons and uh, Pedrotis, you know, um, the family that we get to rent our facility from here who owns this land. They, uh, the son and his wife, Michelle, they, they were a part of it, yep. and they were one of our very first members. And so we had 10 people and knew no one, and yep. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work out. I'm going to get my application at Foot Locker. This yep. is going to be awesome. And uh, <laughs> It was, it was pretty awesome. I remember feeling nervous. It was very scary at that moment. You know, we had a lot of moments where we felt like, okay, God, we're stepping into what we know you're doing for us, and we are going to stand on just the faith of, of the vision and the heart that you put into us to birth it here in San Antonio. We had no family. We had a seven-week-old baby of five yeah. boys. He was the smallest one, seven weeks old. Brand new place, knew no one, knew nothing. Knew, it, was, it was pretty incredible to go from 10 people and to see where it's come this far. Yeah, it was it was an incredible just time to just kind of start something brand new. And then that led to grand opening where we opened up our church a year ago today. It was September 30th, 2018, and we had 358 people 358 in attendance. And, uh, and yeah, from nothing, which yeah. was awesome. And uh, I was just hoping that we'd have like, we'd double our... our startup parties. It was like 10. If we get 20, that's a win. And, uh, and so we had 358. We had 14 decisions for Christ that day. And uh, it, was, it was just an awesome, awesome start uh, to our, really, our, our church. And um, I want to mention the, the Hinckley family. We had uh, an incredible um, 
family show up for the first time. In fact, Josh was drumming today. And yeah. so that's the Hinckley family. And they showed up for the very first time and rededicated their life and yeah. recommitted to Christ and uh, just was able to do so many amazing things for uh, uh, just inside of our church. And Monica serves them during the week yeah. uh, on a regular basis. And so it's an incredible family. Yeah, I remember uh, when we first opened up, I was back in the kids area just saying hi to everybody. And I knelt down this little blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy just came running right up to me, super cute, started playing with my necklace, and it's uh, Weston was their son, just such a sweet family. They have the biggest hearts to serve, and we've seen just in personal life and walking with them such growth in their life and change, and it's an honor because we knew what sacrifices came to help get them there, um, and so it was such an honor to see them growing and serving in such a life-giving moment in church. Yeah, it was our first, first ever church service, and Man, we were excited. But then uh, we moved to Christmas. We had our first ever Christmas Eve service, and that was on, obviously, December 14th or 24th. And we had two services. We launched two services that day. So we went from one service to multiple services or to two services, and we were like, uh-oh. And we didn't realize, like, you know, what it was going to take, and we had to walk through that. And at, at our first Christmas Eve service, uh, our two services, we had 606 people in attendance. And 606 so, people, and awesome. you guys. That's and, amazing. Uh, we had 24 decisions for Christ, and God just did amazing things. And uh, I remember uh, thinking about, because it's a family time, and I remember thinking about, we had two families move here specifically uh, for this church. Like, they moved here because of this church and only this church. Yeah. And it was, uh, they, they were left their jobs, they, they could go anywhere, and they came because they felt like they wanted to be a part of our spiritual family. And so it was the Cross family, Ben and Leah, they serve in our kids. And then the Juarez family, uh, Olinda and Antonio, and he serves and walks around. And he's, they, they do so much for the church. And they move here just for the church. And uh, just I to see their I think that's the families. amazing part of it, too, is just like, you know, you have a vision in your heart. And you show up, and you're like, okay, you know God's going to have to provide. And then you see these people walk into your life. And they're there telling you their story about how they heard God talk to them and give them that call, that vision to come support. And they were obedient. Like, it's not that they just heard it, but they were also obedient. Because without that, you know, we wouldn't be here right now. Right. And it's such an amazing feeling knowing that people are choosing to listen and be obedient what God is doing to come in and bring the support to the vision of this house. Yeah. Yeah, and then Easter came April 21st of this year, and that was the first time from going from two services to three services, and that was awesome. So we did multiple services, and we we're like, uh-oh, we got to figure this out, and uh, and we had an incredible Easter service. We had 824 people in attendance for our very first Easter, and, uh, and it was awesome, and 26 Decisions for Christ, and uh, I remember the Tarang family. Uh, that's Genesis right there in the bunny suit. Anybody and remember so the she, bunny suit? She yeah, was hopping around. It was she awesome. Was running around. She was scaring all the kids. It was awesome. <laughs> Awesome, and uh, and uh, remember they got here. Here's they have a funny story. They uh, you want to so tell? So they them? were actually they came in and told us about their story that they had found us by way of fighting over tacos. Okay, yeah. so they were fighting over where to go and get tacos, and they stopped and they saw our banner and said, "Okay, we need to go to church. Hallelujah! You know what I'm saying? Like we need to go find some Jesus, and then we'll get tacos. Tacos and, and tacos Jesus. brought them to rise. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, tacos are going to be in heaven. And then uh, Serve Day uh, 2019, come on. How many of y'all served at Serve Day? Y'all were here with Serve Day. And uh, we had an incredible serve day. We had 160, think about this. We had 160 people show up for Serve Day just to serve our community on a Saturday. We had six service uh, opportunities. We had, uh, we were serving first responders and uh, we served at uh, downtown with people who are in need. Uh, we, We helped so many families in so many parts of our city. It was an incredible, we were so so proud. Uh, the Ordonez family, I remember they've been here since, we, we've known them since we were in St. Louis back in the day, but they moved to San Antonio as well. They were 
they were part, they were leading a place when we were doing the first responders and uh, for all of our fire department and our police officers and just celebrating and loving them. We made them hamburgers and just helped them out. And it was awesome. And um, it was just a great, great thing. And, but, but, but our year, I would say our year recap is probably the best thing that I think we, I've ever been able to see. I was talking to my wife about this this week and uh, it was yesterday and I was just looking at these numbers and I was just bawled like a baby because I never thought, um, I just never thought we'd get, I, honestly, I never thought we'd get past the 10 people in our startup parties. And um, I wanted to give you kind of just a year and recap of what God has done inside of our church. Um, first, we, I actually didn't put this number up, and I didn't mention this in the last service. I need to write this down. We, we, we've given as a church in one year uh, almost $24,000 to local missions, local benevolence, local areas, churches. Um, that's you guys. Come on, y'all can make some noise for that. Um, um, we believe in generosity at this church. We're a young, small church. That is not a small amount of money. Right. And we, God has been able to just uh, bless other people through this church. Don't tell me the local church is not the hope of the world. When, when, we, when God plants itself in a local community through a local church, you could see multiple people in multiple areas and multiple ministries get blessed because of the local church. And um, we have, as on attendance on average right now, we average about 538 people on a weekend. And um, isn't that incredible? Um, just incredible average attendance. We had 19,000 people come to this service, 19,256 people come this year inside of our church. Uh, we had 471 decisions for Christ, 55 baptisms, 457 first families, 213 first time next steps completions. 334 small group combination. I mean, it just, it just people show up in attendance. God is doing an amazing, amazing things at this church. And I am just so honored to be the pastor. My wife and I are honored to lead it. And um, it's, it's, it did, it's done every, God has done everything and then some uh, more than what we could ever deserve or ask. I read a statistic, less than uh, 10% of churches are 250 people and above in, in America. Less than 1% of churches are more than 500 Think about that, yeah. of churches in America. More churches right now are closing than are opening at right. this point in America. The church is desperately needed, yeah. and when we can come together and see lives get changed, I think that's when communities are changed. I think Amen. that's when families are changed. That's when marriages are restored. Yes. I see lots of life change happen on a regular basis, and these numbers are just symbolic of what God is doing. Um, I want to mention, just uh, as I, we kind of close today, uh, we're just going to close with this thought. Um, I want to just mention uh, a few families that have just mean the world to me and just thank uh, just just kind of personally. Uh, the first is I wanted to thank my family, um, my wife and my, my five boys. Um, they give and sacrifice more than you'll ever. We're better together. I was trying to quit. You know, I was trying to quit before we launched. And I asked her, I said, babe, can we not do this? She said, no, man of God, we're going to do it. Uh, our church wouldn't be here without this woman. And so if you've been blessed, you should thank her. Um, she, she, didn't, she didn't give up. And... Um, We're called to sacrifices. I don't say that to make you feel sorry for us. That's our job. Yeah. It's supposed to be hard. And uh, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. And uh, we're called to do something great. Thank you. 
Um, second family I want to mention is uh, Pastor Jason Martin and his family, his wife Rachel and all of his kids. Come on, I want you to really make some noise. They sacrifice a lot. Is he here? Is he here? Come up, come up, Pastor Jason. I want you to just uh, stand with us. He's, uh, he's an amazing man of God. He's uniquely different than I am. And how many of y'all know you need, you need the other side of the coin, right? And uh, this, this, this man is given and his family sacrifice. Y'all don't know that he could pastor at any church in America. I'm not kidding you. He's been in mega churches. People, uh, churches contract him to come. And so he does not need to be here. He chose to be here with his family. And he serves our church with dignity and class. And, and I'm honored. We're so thankful. Yeah. He's, he's my best friend. And uh, he's my only friend. Nobody likes me. But he, he's my friend. And, uh, um, and then the Powell's family, Tabby and Christian Powell. Tabby, will y'all wave back there? That's Tabby and Christian. And uh, she's oftentimes, him, her, and her, her, her and her husband are often the unsung heroes. They, they, they're always the guys running in the background making sure that I, my mic works and the work, place is here. And there's so many. Th- thank you for their family and their sacrifice to this church. It was an honor to plant a church with them. I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. And uh, just so honored to be a part of this. But I wanted to pray for our church, for our future, our home, and, uh, and just, kind of, uh, just kind of close with that. Is that okay? Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this time. God, thank you for this church. Thank you that we're here celebrating you, God, knowing that this is the local church, the hope of the world, our spiritual family. God, when we're together, we're better together in this place. And God, we believe that the best is yet to come, that what you've done in one year is incredible. But what could you do in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years? We plan to have this church and this community for years to come. We ask you to bless every family that calls it home, every family that's considering it. We pray that we would be spiritual family to them, that even though we as men might fail them, God, you'll never fail them. And I pray that they would connect to you in every way possible. Possible. In Jesus' name, amen.